Our scripture this morning is from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 18 through 26. I invite you to hear again the voice of our God speaking to us through the words of Holy Scripture. While Jesus was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. During our Lenten series of recovery, we've been talking about being holy and whole. And how our lives get broken into pieces. And God helps us maintain our wholeness and put those pieces back together. We've talked about trying to keep our bodies in good shape, to be healthy and whole physically. We've talked about it with our um, communities. We've talked about it with the stories, telling our story and how telling our story can help to heal us and to help others find healing. Today we are talking about our minds, about our intellect, about keeping our minds sharp and using them to glorify and honor God. In today's passage, we have some different perspectives, some people who dare to see things in new and different ways. In the scripture, we have the woman who has had a hemorrhage for 12 years. Her body is broken and her heart is broken. Understand that in her culture, she would have been unclean because she was bleeding, and anything and anyone that she touched would have become unclean. So more than likely, it has been 12 years since she has felt someone hold her, or touch her, or kiss her. She hasn't held her children or her grandchildren in her arms. She hasn't greeted friends. She hasn't gone for a meal or hosted people for a meal. Even her own family is trying not to touch anything that she touches. We can relate just a little bit as we've worn masks and sanitized and tried not to touch one another. And after 12 years of playing by those rules, after probably visiting every doctor that she could find anywhere in the country or any other, she decides to try a different solution. Jesus is rumored to be the Messiah. He's healing people. I'm not supposed to touch anybody 
but I have to do something. I have to do something different. I'm going to touch him and see if it heals me. Then there's the leader of the synagogue. Our story starts with his, and this woman interrupts the story. But imagine what it is like for the leader of a synagogue to come to Jesus. He's just experienced an anguishing loss. His family is broken, and his heart is broken. We know when we read scripture that Jesus was not popular with the religious establishment. He was not their idea of a Messiah. So they wanted to distance themselves from him, to silence him, to ignore him if they could, and when they couldn't, finally to crucify him on a cross. But this synagogue leader breaks ranks with the rest of the religious establishment, and goes to Jesus anyway. It is amazing what desperation will lead us to consider that we never considered before. And the third new and different perspective in our scripture this morning is the viewpoint of Jesus. Everyone else thinks the daughter has died, and Jesus says, she's not. She's sleeping. Give me a minute. I'll wake her up. He gets laughed at for it, but it doesn't faze him at all. He is doing what he was sent to do, being who he was created to be. God come in human body to model for us the love, the grace, and the mercy of God. A story full of different perspectives. All three of them bucked convention. They all swam against the current. Jesus does it all the time. Seems like every story we read of him, he's doing something different. He's breaking the convention, breaking the rule in order to reach out and touch people. And it seems as though his willingness to see a different world, a different way of being, a different way of expressing the faith of the chosen people of God inspires others to believe that they can find a new solution, a different viewpoint, a new way of thinking about things. And so a father and a woman bring their brokenness to Jesus They dare to see a different picture of life. And they leave forever changed by having encountered the Son of God. A grown woman gets her life back. And so does a young girl. The whole trajectory of their lives are changed because they dared to see a different picture Jesus took their broken lives, their broken bodies, their broken hearts, and created something different and beautiful. We too need to have the courage and cultivate the ability to see different pictures of things. We need to keep our minds sharp. We need to keep our minds whole. And we know that there are many ways that we can do this. One is the when I think maybe we resist a little bit, and that's just getting rest. 
Enough rest helps our minds work better. We can work puzzles and play games that help our minds stay sharp. We can be creative. Try a new recipe, add a new ingredient, check out a new hobby, play a different instrument, make a new friend. Research on creativity shows that creativity not only stops the advancement of dementia and Alzheimer's, it can actually back it up and see improvement by being creative, by finding new ways to do things. And we can read different viewpoints. We have to be courageous enough to read things that we don't 100% agree with. One of the things that helps us do that the least happens to be social media, which creates for us an echo chamber by giving us more of what it thinks we like, by what we click on, what we read, or what we even pause to let play for very long. In order to break out of that algorithm, we sometimes have to be intentional about going to new pages, to reliable news sources, and learning to scroll past those that are not helpful. We can keep our minds sharp as we read scripture and engage in theology. Theology is the, just the way we think and talk about God and our relationship with God. As Methodist Christians, we use something called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral that we apply scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. They're not all equal, but they all have their role. A couple of visual illustrations that we can use are, one is a bicycle. This is our own Davis Johnson's creation of a way to think about the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Scripture is our frame. Everything depends on a good frame. The wheels are tradition. Tradition, those who've gone before us, carry us along. The seat is our experience. It's where we take the ride. And the handlebars are reason. We use our minds to help steer us in the right direction. Another illustration is a biscuit. This is one that I've used in teaching the Wesleyan Quadrilateral in confirmation classes. It is not my original idea. But you start with flour. Flour represents scripture. You can start with something else, but if you start with cornmeal, you're not getting a biscuit. You have to have flour. You add some butter, it begins to have body. That's tradition. Begins to make it stick together. We add some milk for reason. Now you're getting a dough. And then you put in a pinch of salt that's your experience to bring it alive and bring out the full taste of the biscuit. These illustrations remind us that the four portions are not equal, though. Scripture plays the most important part. But they all do have an important role in how we think and talk about God. And we must use our minds we can do that by reading scripture we haven't read or haven't read in a while. We can read it in a new translation. Sometimes just a different way of saying it can make it jump off the page to us. And we can listen to a new perspective 
or interpretation of a passage. I'm incredibly grateful that, it, that Methodist Christianity has never asked us not to apply our minds to our faith. We're not asked to check our brains at the door. Instead, we are asked to use the minds that God has given us. We use them to understand Scripture, to understand the created world that God created for us, to understand our bodies, our minds, and our relationships. It is important that we keep our minds healthy, So that we can hear God speaking to us. We can know how to apply what we hear God saying to our lives. So that we can be the people God has called us to be. May God lead you and I in creating new pictures. New beauty even from the brokenness we find in our lives and our world. And may he teach us to have healthy, creative, and whole minds. Let's pray. Almighty and gracious God, we are thankful for the ability to think, to remember, to reason. Lead us to use that faculty well, to use it to honor you and to help others find health and wholeness around us. May all that we do, all that we say and think and are, be for your glory and for the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you now.